you ever wondered about the wild activities that go on at a bar? Well, that wondering ends right now. Welcome to the Open Bar Talk Podcast, where host Jim Search sits down with bartenders near and far to hear the whopping tales that only a drink slinger has. So buckle in, have a cold one, and enjoy it. And it is another episode of Open Bar Talk Podcast, the dopest bartending podcast in these streets. Uh, I'm very excited to have our guest on this week. We're going to have some really, really interesting shit to talk about, and I'm super pumped that y'all are going to get into it with me. Uh, who am I, you ask? I'm Jim Search. You can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com. You can go on all social media, find me at Jim Search because I make Brandon super easy for you now this show open bar talk where can you find it here's how you find it itunes stitcher spotify everywhere where you download a podcast is where you can find this one underneath your car in the cupboards i don't give a fuck wherever you get your show that's where you get this podcast open bar talk at gmail.com open bar talk on instagram as well um you know follow us we follow you back um shoot us an email shoot us a dm uh, we love to talk with you about the show um tell your friends about it too um this is one of my favorite podcasts um ever uh reason is because i think bartenders in the life surrounding bars is so interesting because you know we've uh their stories often go untold, even though we are around them so much living here in New York and around the world. So I think it's important we, uh, we hear their stories. And with that being said, let's jump in to our guest here today. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, you know, we're moving a little bit of a di- different direction here. Uh, we are not going to be in the bar behind the stick necessarily. We're going to move into the world of security and bouncing where we are, we are kept safe from the crazy shit that happens. We are out partying and this guy has some crazy shit to tell us. And I'm very excited to hear all about it. Scott Kasha, how are you, sir? How's it going? Jim, thanks for having me on, man. Of course, man. Of course. You know, uh, you hit me up uh, yesterday and was like, I got some shit to tell. And I was like, you know what, man? You sent me some really wild links. <laughs> and I was like, I, and I know this place. Uh, and I know it well um, because I've had uh, friends who've had some interactions over there. Um, yeah, and- I, I, can, I can spill some, some tea because, uh, you know, most of it's public. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so mo- most of it you can see it playing out in the newspapers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that being said, uh, you know, Scott, uh, you've worked uh, security. Um, how did you get into it? Tell us a little bit about how you started. So I was uh, I was a New York City cop for almost 10 years. Um, and uh, basically, you know, I, I retired, uh, hated the job, just just wrong job for me. So I, uh, I retired on a uh, on a what's called a vested pension. And then, uh, you know, what what was I qualified to do? Uh, you know, didn't have my degree, you know, 21, joined the police department, you know, went to the family business. Uh, so security is really the only, you know, the only field I had any kind of experience for. So I did a bunch of security, uh, got a lot of martial arts experience, uh, probably about 30 years studying various martial arts style. Um, got a third degree black belt in jujitsu now. Um, so it's like, you know, all right, I transitioned to being a bodyguard. So I, I would drive, um, you know, some, uh, some rich people, uh, a couple celebrities here and there. Um, no real celebrity dirt. Uh, I knocked over Stanley Tucci one night bodyguarding Billy Crystal. Uh, <laughs> and he was like the coolest dude. Like we both reached for the door at the same time. And as you know, as a bodyguard, you, uh, you know, you're, you want to be the one through the door, not, not your principal. So like, uh, Stanley now, Tucci was trying to grab, yeah. 
the principal is your the person you're the protecting. person you're guarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, uh, okay. So uh, I reached the door. I'm like, I got it. And Stanley Tooch like, no, no, I got it. And I, you know, we kind of opened the door at the same time and he fell on his ass and I felt horrible. And I, you know, I'm like, it's Tucci. I'm really it's like, no, no, I understand why you did it. Uh, you know, just, just like a decent, good dude. Um, it was, it was cool to watch him get kind of uh, starstruck talking to Billy Crystal. Um, uh, they're, both, they're both at the urinal together and, you know, here you are, you got to go into, uh, into the men's room with them. Uh, and, you know, they're like, you know, uh, two stalls away, and you know, you could see Stanley Tucci getting like, you know, excited, like, "Oh my God, it's Billy Crystal!" Um, that's, so, it, so it, it was cool to watch that. So when, so like when you're, so that's an interesting question. Uh, when you're a bodyguard, when you're protecting someone, you are on them all the time, right? Like, it, it all depends. Or, on, guess, it all yeah. depends on on who who you're guarding. Uh, I've done like uh, royal families, like Saudi and Qatari um, details, and. Yeah, if they're not in the room, then uh, then you're with them. Uh, I had one princess. Uh, she spent fifty four thousand dollars in a Dwayne Reed and did not fifty four grand. Fifty four grand. Fifty four grand in a Dwayne. I have no idea. I, I I saw the bill. I'm like, holy shit. Um, you know, her servants carried everything back. Uh, uh, she just anything she saw, she she just bought fifty four thousand um, dollars. That's 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 the entire store or just the most expensive Fabergé egg uh like that they like one of those little like knickknacks like that they keep on the shelf that's the like the most expensive one ever yeah, yeah that uh, that receipt that receipt was seven <laughs> miles long oh it was insane it was that's insane it. and you know it's just like black card boom pay for it um jesus christ man and then, uh, yeah, and I, I would, uh, I would drive like bankers and one CEO who's like, you know, I, when I worked for him, he's worth 2 billion and now he's worth like 8 billion, you know, the Forbes, like 400 list. And, you know, an article in New York magazine came out about this, uh, this guy, because he was just giving like million dollar gifts to, um, various colleges that he wanted his kids to go to, mm. like just giving a million dollar endowments and stuff. And, uh, so uh, I can spill the tea on that because it's it's completely public. Uh, and look, his kids were like, you know, super smart, went to Horace Mann and stuff like that. Uh, they mm. were getting into any college they wanted, but, um, you know. They wanted it was, to seal uh, the deal. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, it was funny. They didn't want to be, like, too showy. So they'd, uh, instead of an, uh, an SUV, like, you know, Suburban, they'd have, like, a Toyota minivan, except they'd have two identical minivans. <laughs> Got <laughs> it. They bought, they bought cash, you know, same thing. With a credit card, they bought two Toyota minivans. Um and I'll never forget, uh, and we'll, we'll move on, but the, I, I always like to tell this story. Um, their garage closed, um, and they wanted a new spot. You know, you have to understand, it's a big garage in the neighborhood, and uh, right. basically um, everybody was scrambling for spots. Um, I find a garage, and I'm paying well over whatever the sticker price is because, you know, that's how rich they were. Um, sure. And they liked having a car that they could get to that wasn't like downstairs that, you know, they didn't have to call ahead. Um, so there was a spot at this garage where they, they turned their cars around. It was a small garage, um, but you'd have to like go in, pull your car in and, and then turn it around. And I said, I want that spot. You know, the, the, um, the, one of their staff came, looked at, the, looked at the garage and said, yeah, get that spot. So I went up to the manager. I said, hey, I want that spot. And he's like, it's not a spot, dude. I'm like, no, I don't think you understand. I want that. How much? How much? And he goes, it's not for sale. We, we use that to turn our cars around. I go a thousand dollars. He's like, no, I'm like $2,000. No, 3000 dude. I'll bring you an envelope for 3000 every month. He's like, no, dude, you don't understand. Like that's not a spot. $5,000. Okay. <laughs> I thought, okay got it do it we'll so do that. i i you know i call it the uh i i've had exposure to a lot of you know um 
ridiculously rich people. Um, some are good at being rich, others not so good. Um, but I call it the DM uh, the DMV line. Um, if you don't wait in line at DMV to uh, register your car, then you live a very different life than the rest of us. Like you know, if you have your your staff go to go to DMV for you, you lead right. a very different life than the rest that's, of us. Yeah, and that's just, and I think that's like a real flashpoint example of just like the sort of disconnect right right just like what the what the rest of us look like so now uh let me ask you uh so you went so you went from bodyguard work right into nightclub security so i um i kind of transitioned i hated security um had a kid got married um so i got a job in it i got laid off uh which was great and then i started working in a production um, so, you know, as you know, I'm a producer, I'm a stuntman, um, stunt coordinator. I worked with, uh, Jay Cole last year, uh, Tyga, Megan Thee Stallion, um, you know, some, some decent sized acts and, you know, some campaigns for Verizon and AT&T and, uh, you know, I produce as well. Um, you know, okay. shows on Amazon, movies on Netflix and things like that. Uh, so the problem with that is it's not, the work is not steady. So I need something to, you know, kind of supplement it, uh, so I was doing kind of like nightclub security. Um, you know, I'm not a big guy, but I know how to talk to people. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it, I got a lot of martial arts experience, you know, so it, it, that comes in handy. But I always try and make that kind of my last resort to um, resorting to physical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I worked in a few uh, few nightclubs, working the door and stuff like that. But, you know, smaller, loungy kind of things where I'm the only person there. Um, right. So a friend of mine comes to me. He goes... Uh, you know, he goes, dude, I need, I got a job, um, nightclub in Williamsburg, uh, just open. They need a police liaison. And I'm like, the fuck's a police liaison. He goes, if the cops come, you talk to them. So this was a cop who I knew who I worked with, uh, who had right. since retired and gotten, you know, gotten to security. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll check it out. So we go, we check out the place and, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, it is a nightclub. Uh, seems, you know, it, it kind of swanky you know it was nicely you know at night you can't really tell you know it was kind of this minimalist design but um sure like, looks nice i'm like the music fucking sucks like i can't stand it it's um <laughs> you know it's all that that house music and stuff and you know kids rolling and, and stuff like that uh but it seemed well run i you know i like the owners they seem like they have their shit together like they knew what what was going on so i agreed i agreed to be this uh police liaison um and what that meant was just anytime there was an issue with with the NYPD i would i would be the one talking to the cops um, right I spoke their language, you know, maybe they cut me a break, you know, maybe they cut the club a break, um, you know, and also give them peace of mind. Like, you know, oh, look, they've, they've got a retired cop here. He's, you know, making sure that things are, are you know, are right. going to be on the up and up. Um, you know, I'm one of them. So hopefully, you know, I have a little, uh, little, you know, cachet, a little credit built up with them. Sure, um, sure. You know, and uh, and for the most part, you know, I really tried to, I was a worker, tried to, you know, I, I didn't like, um, you know doing nothing. I didn't like just standing around, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm 50 now. Then I was in, you know, my mid forties when I worked there, uh, you know, and I'm taught like, you know, you can only say too much, you know, so much to a 20 year, you know, 22 year old bouncer who still lives at home, you know, <laughs> right, like, right. You know, who like, I, so, uh, uh, how about the Yankees? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You run, you run out of talking about sports and you know, if the guy's not a sports fan, then it's like, Oh, okay. And you know, you goof on, you know, the, the, the drunken idiots, the drunken patrons and stuff like that, you know, and it's a nightclub. People tend to, you know, be a little over the top sometimes. So um, I've, so I've heard. Yeah. 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 I've heard. Um, 
So, you know, it's like I, I wouldn't hang out inside. Um, yeah, it's nice looking at all the pretty girls, pretty drunk girls and stuff. But, you know, I'm married. I'm, you know, what am I going to do? I'm like, they don't want this old man. Um, right. You know, so I'd hang out outside and just, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say look for things to do, but, you know, I wanted to make sure that things ran well. Um, okay. If it came over the radio that there was, you know, there was um, an escort out, I would, you know, be there just to kind of oversee it, you know. Um, and eventually the guys started trusting me. They knew like, you know, I, I was, I was with them. I was one of them, even though technically I wasn't, you know, their boss. Um, you know, I, we were all working together as a team and, and eventually mm-hmm. they came to look to me like, you know, I'm making the call, like, you know, should this person stay, should this person go? Um, you know, so I, I, I wasn't running security, but you know, I, I was as close to, you know, running security. I had the final word on, on every decision. Gotcha. Um, okay. So now, so this is kind of the job, uh, uh, the job description that you're looking right. for. Right. What are some of the craziest things that you saw while doing this? Because I can't imagine you didn't see this, right? Like, what what were some of those wild things, those wild moments? Uh, let's see. Um, I, you know, just dealing with the, the knuckleheads. Um, I had some dude threaten to, like, you know, shoot up the entire club and, you know, he's reaching in his jacket. Um, no shit. And he's like, I'm going to I'm going to shoot this fucking place up. And, you know, he's reaching in his jacket and, you know, I'm, I'm a retired cop. You don't want to, you know, <laughs> that that's, that's not good behavior. That's a, um, that's a bad look. So I lifted my lifted my uh, my shirt up and I'm like, you know, my hand was on it. I'm like, it, it, does this guy actually have a gun? And he saw it and the kid shit his pants. You know, he's some. I don't know, some bridge and tunnel, some, you know, uh, some knucklehead from Jersey. Or look, look, I'm a, I'm a city guy. Uh, I rep my Shaolin heritage. I see um, that. You know, I see that. For uh, the listeners, he's got the uh, meth ghost inspector deck, uh, Ray ghost. Got everybody. We got the whole crew on there. Uh, I, I, I actually pulled them over uh, when I was a cop. Um, <laughs> oh, you got to let him go. Yeah. Oh no no I didn't I didn't write him anything I didn't write him at the uh, you know I, I just let him go I just wanted to make sure that the van wasn't stolen <laughs> it was a uh, it was a van with Ohio plates from uh with, you know and just nobody had a nobody had ID on them and I'm just like and you know just weed wafting out and this is the 90s where you know cops were still locking people up for weed and I'm just like uh, we're in a summit slow down and you know my father's getting promoted to lieutenant tomorrow I'm like all right you know I ran the plate um. You know, it wasn't like wanted in a robbery. Uh, but when I pulled them over, they're like, yo, officer, we're late. We're Wu-Tang. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, I let them go. Um, and, you know, I have since converted. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm all about, you know, I'm all with Wu, uh, you know, down with uh, Wu-Tang now. Weird. So on before COVID, amazing show, man. Amazing. That's, that's fucking dope. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So you, uh, so this yeah. dude, all right. So the dude, like this bridge and tunnel kid. Yeah is into his coat right right you yeah. then flash the steel like you don't pull out your gun no no i didn't break leather but my you know i pulled my shirt up my hand was on it and you know he he like he, he had a reality check um he's sure. like oh this is a little different now <laughs> it's different when uh, someone really has a gun right right because, right right um you know because, and I, i'm of the mindset it, it doesn't come out unless you, unless you intend to use it you know a lot a lot of gun yeah. owners are like you know it's my right i'm like fuck that it's a huge responsibility my gun collects dust in my safe honestly um as you it, know as it should right right i don't feel the need to carry <laughs> yeah so um, you so you shook down this kid uh rightfully so um yeah what uh so what else uh what else has gone on there man 
We had one dude, um, and I, I got to find the picture. I'll send it to you. Uh, it's got to be on my phone somewhere. One dude was, I don't know what he was on, but he just starts jumping on cars and, like, you know, uh, yelling and, like, picking up, like, barriers and throwing. So my guys get him, and, you know, they, they there were some pretty tough bounces. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, not the biggest dudes, but some definitely some, t- some tough dudes. Um, and they get him, and there's two cops on the corner. I'm like, hey, I'm retired. You know, this guy is, like, you know, jumping on cars and shit like that. So they cuffed him. And I don't know how, like, he was resisting, like he was, you know, white kid. So he, you know, the, the treatment was, you know, it wasn't very uh, different, you know, back in the day, uh, how we used to police was, um, you know, if you didn't comply, I put my radio across the bridge of your nose until you complied until you put your hands behind your back. That's the way things were done, man. Um, so, you know, they're trying to, and the dude ended up in some position. I don't know how it it was something I got to find the picture. Um, I've never seen a person like a human body contort like that. Um, when the, you know, and he was cuffed like that. It was the craziest, um, his hands over like his arms. Yeah. 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 I got to find this picture. Um, I'll send it to you. And I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think of it uh, to find it, but, uh, yeah, it was, that was it. Um, and then I think he crapped himself too <laughs> <laughs> with his hands over his head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, that, shit that in was, his pants. yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. That was when, uh, I, the club had a good relationship with the, with the NYPD, um, you know, and it went South for many, many, uh, valid reasons. Um, let's okay. see what, what else I'm trying to think, uh, you know, most of it was, uh, it, it was, you know, white hipster kids. Um, so there weren't that many problems. Um, you know, kids like that club goers like that tend to behave, uh, you know, so I, I wish I had more crazier, like, you know, what did I see kind of stories? Uh, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> that, that's about it. All I got for, for as far as like, you know, shit, like what'd you say? But it, you know, the, it's all the dirt underneath the, the scene that, you know, where, where, where well, I think the, the, the juice lies. <laughs> let's talk about that. I mean, you were, if you're down to talk about it, yeah, yeah love absolutely. To love to uh, hear what, what you were, what, what life was like on the ground when all this shit hit the fan in this dirty ass nightclub. Yeah, yeah, and like I like I said, most of this played out in the in the papers. So uh, you know, I'm not I'm not really uh, you know opening myself up to liability or anything. You know, I'm not telling people anything they don't know. Um, you know, it's uh, so the club was called Verboten, uh, North Eleventh Street in Williamsburg. I don't know what's there um, anymore. Uh, but the owner, um, her and I, increasingly would would butt heads. So. Uh, my contacts, you know, on, on the department would be like, look, dude, there, there's a bad drug problem in there. And I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll deal with it. Uh, you know, sure. I was friendly. I was friendly with the, the club guy, you know, like they had a club car, uh, the, the precinct and, you know, that's all they did dealt with the nightclubs and the bars and, you know, good guys, we got along really well. And, you know, they knew I legit wanted to, you know, make the, make this club run. And, you know, I didn't want to have any problems for them and they, they were cool with that. So they worked with me. Um, and he's like, dude, look, there's a lot of drugs going on. And I'm like, Okay, um, I'll I'll deal with it. Uh, you know, I tell right. the owner, she'd be like, "No, no, there's no drugs being sold here." I'm like, "Are you sure?" In and a nightclub, like, right, right, right. Like, um, no drugs at all are being sold. Yep, and None. she's like, uh, she's like, "No, there aren't." I'm like, "Okay, well, I mean, this is what many people are telling me. I don't know why they lie to me." And she's like, uh, "No, no, no. I know what the, I know what it looks like. You know, when uh, when the un- and I, I tried to explain to her. I'm like, look." They're gonna send. They're gonna send uncovers in here, and they're gonna buy drugs. Okay, and they're gonna close your club down. And she's like, "No, they aren't." And I'm like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, I, 
the NYPD does stuff like this on the regular. Um, and she's like, no, yeah. no. Um, I know what, I know what the undercover team is going to look like. It's going to be two Hispanic guys and a white girl. I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, good luck. And I'm telling her, I'm like, that's not how it works, but okay. Um, yeah. I mean like, and then it's like you 10 year vet cop, this right. club owner, which one's going to know how the undercover like stings work. Right. Right. Like, right. I'm going to so, defer uh, to you. So, um, there was a lot of problems in this club with noise. Um, it was in the perfect area except for one issue. Some dude who lived a block, like behind the club in a, in an illegal sub sublet in a garage. So it was in a, like upstairs in a, in a, in a garage, like, a, like um, a freestanding, like garage. Yeah. Yeah. Like a mechanic's place. Um, they lived upstairs in an illegal sublet, um, would call three one one all the time. Uh, um, <laughs> So the NYPD has something called CompStat, if you're not familiar. And um, NYPD yeah. is all about numbers, okay? It's a numbers-based policing agency. So what happens is every month, um, every precinct commander has to come down to one police plaza to headquarters and uh, sit in front of a chief, usually chief of department or chief of patrol. Um, I, I, I'd assume it's probably chief of patrol. Um, and have to justify their crime stats. So it's like, you know, they, they will look at, you know, your numbers compared to this, this time last month, this time last year. And if they go up, you can, you know, you'll at the very least get yelled at, um, or you could get transferred. So like, you know, if you live in long Island, next thing you know, you're, you're in the one, two, three precinct in Staten Island, uh, you know, and you don't want that, you know, as, as a punishment. So, um, right. Captains and inspectors were very like particular about their numbers. Um, and eventually they had three one one complaints. Um, you know, quality of life stuff. This is still when broken windows, you know, and broken and, windows, and quality, yeah. Quality yep. of life was a thing. Um, you know, in the NYPD, how do they fix problems? They they throw numbers at it. So let's say you have a lot of robberies in, you know, in your precinct, you go down to Comstat, you know, the, um, and the chief asks you, well, captain, why do you have, you know, why are robberies up in your precinct? Well, captain, I made eight additional robbery arrests. You know, I sent my guys out and we had eight additional robbery arrests this month. Okay, good job, captain. And that's it. Problem solved as far as the NYPD is concerned. Doesn't matter if, you know, the robberies are happening in sector Adam and the arrests are made in sector George. Um, you know, doesn't matter if any of the robberies get thrown out, any of the arrests get thrown out or voided, mm -hmm. you know, or the conviction is just, okay, you have an answer. Um, you know, your right. numbers, okay. You threw numbers at, at my numbers. So you're, you're trying to fix a problem. And that's, so, kind of, yeah. So when this came to the three, one, one calls to right. for, for verboden, right. Those numbers started to spike. And then that's Huge. when they got on the radar. Is oh that... yeah, yeah. We we had more three one one complaints than any other premise in Williamsburg. Um, so this became a uh, a problem for the you know an issue for the captain down at Comstat. And um, I was off at uh, I think it's Crift Dog over there getting a hot dog. And you know I, I get a phone call. I'm like, hey, there's some you know cop in a white shirt here. He wants to talk to you. And uh, and I'm like, okay. So it's either a friend or a foe. I know it's either somebody I know coming to visit me, or it's somebody coming to you know. <laughs> chew my ass out um right that was the latter is a precinct co he goes you're the retired guy i'm like yeah he goes get in and i'm like okay um right. and he just he just 
tear me a new asshole. And normally I'd be like, Hey boss, you know, go fuck yourself. I don't work for you anymore. Uh, you can't talk to me like that, but you know, I, I knew that would have been the end of the nightclub. So I'm like, yeah, boss, you're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's telling me it's an open air drug market. Um, and I'm right. like, yeah, boss, I'm working on it. I got a plan. You know, why don't we set up a meeting? You know, I'll bring the owners in and we'll, we'll come with a plan. Okay. You know, I eventually got him off my back. He wasn't happy, but you know, he, he knew I legitimately was trying to do the right thing here. Um, right, right. Uh, so, you know, the club then kind of made some changes. They invested in, uh, you know, these, these, I, they call I like birdhouses. They were calling them over the, the skylights to reduce the noise. Uh, you know, uh, the guy who was complaining, was the same guy, you know, we, they're like, what do we do about him? I'm like, look, you you might have to pay him, you know, off to reinforce his windows and, and throw him some money, you know? And, and I was going to say, like, did the club offer him a little hush money in every sense of the word to be like, Hey dude, uh, I don't know if they handled it right. You know, I kind of had a report, a little bit of rapport with the guy, but you know, he was, uh, he was trying to get over. He saw an opportunity. Um, yeah, know, I think the the number he asked for was like, you know, it was, it was pretty steep. I'm like, huh, that, that's, that's a <laughs> like, lot of money. Like $50,000. <laughs> no, no. He, it was like 3000 a week was what he wanted. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was like, I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't know. Like, you know, the number one, you know, she's like, how much do we pay him? I'm like, well, offer him 500 a week and, you know, see if he goes for that. Um, you know, if not, then, you know, bump it up to a thousand and he wanted like something like 3000 a week. And I'm like, dude, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, so he kept calling, you know, kept calling, kept calling. Um, so this captain told me, he's like, look, we're going to do a March operation. Let you get your shit together. And I'm just like, uh, is a March operation a, a bust? Like when oh, they no. go in the club? So a March operation is what they do is, uh, they take every agency they can find and they march them through your nightclub. Oh, so like the liquor board, like the health the SLA, board, yep, SLA. department of health, fire yeah. department, building department, anybody they can. And they just start writing summonses um you know and basically when that happens the nypd is trying to build a case to have your liquor license pulled yep is what's happening um you know every time in a nightclub or a bar nine one you know uh it comes up on nine one one. the nypd keeps track of that mm-hmm. um you know you know they they kind of track disorderly premises kind of thing so you know sure, if sure. need be to, to pull your permit um you know it's they do that um, so this is what he's telling me. And I'm like, yeah, this will be the end of the club. Um, they'll lose their liquor license. And you know, it, 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 you can't have a nightclub without, without a liquor license. You just can't. It's, uh, no one wants to drink seltzers. No, I guess uh, unless I you, unless you sell drugs in the place and then, you know, you don't need alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> then you just, uh, go to jail. Um, yeah, yeah. cause <laughs> unfortunately what out of the, out of those two substances, one of those is illegal and you can't right, sell. Right. So yeah, yeah. that's important. So, <laughs> so, so the, do they then do this March operation through the club? No. Uh, so fortunately from, well, I don't know if they did, um, so I started instituting this, this, uh, this, you know, what I, I like to think of as a comprehensive drug, um, cessation plan. And look, okay. I get it's a nightclub. You're not going to stop all drugs, you know, not, nothing you can do about that. Um, but you know, it, it's like with the NYPD, you got to have a story, you know, you'd be like, look, this is what I'm doing. Here's my plan. I'm working on it. I'm not perfect, but trust me, I, I'm really trying. And you know, you make as sincere an effort as possible. You know, it was like, uh, you know, uh, gather intelligence, you know, from, from, you know, friendly club goers and stuff, uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, um, anybody caught smoking, immediate ejection, and, you know, anybody caught dealing, you know, lifetime ban. Um, and my guys were pretty sharp. They knew, like, you know, who, who all the players were. Um, you know, in, in a way, they were kind of like cops. Like, that was their precinct. So they, they kind of they knew what was going on. Um, right, right. Now, so, uh, yeah. So what, like, w- when they were catching these dudes, right, and they were yeah. like, hey, you know, you can't sell drugs here. Like, did they then turn that over to you then in turn turn to the police or were they just like, just get. The no, 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 no. Back? I mean, you know, it, it, uh, that would kind of bring some, you, you get a whole dynamic there where it's like, you know, now the cops get annoyed, like, you know, why are they doing my job? And, you know, you, you don't have the same, um, as a bouncer, you don't have the same, um, authorities, um, you know, powers, arrest powers as you do with some, you know, just a regular security guard. So, um, so it, just, it, would, it would be what's called a clusterfuck to, you know, to, to the cops. So, and you don't want that rep, you know, you don't want the club that narcs kind of thing. You don't want that rep either. Gotcha. Okay. Here, I, here I was trying to be like the legal legal and like, no, you, no, no. you gotta do the right thing. And it's right. like, nah, you just know, I, get the fuck right. out of here. Right. Like, yeah, I mean. not in my backyard, you know, kind, kind of thing. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I, I had, um, built up kind of a, a good rapport with a lot of the club goers, you know, they'd come out into the smoking section. I'd hang out there because, you know, I, I didn't want to be in the club. You know, the, the I, I just, just too loud. Um, you know, at my age, I, I didn't want to, you know, it just wasn't my scene. Um, so I'd hang out outside. I go, you know, on my phone, maybe I'd, you know, go to sleep in my car. Um, you know, whatever. I'd be like, look, I'll be right there sleeping. If you need me, just knock on the window. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. because if there was nothing going on, you know, there's nothing, nothing for me to do. Um, so I had this, this plan instituted, you know, I'm trying to, you know, tell the owner that I'm doing this. She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so I asked some dude, um, I'm like, Hey, uh, look, I I'm here and there's a lot of problems with, with drugs going on. Um, you know, anybody selling and guy immediately, you know, this is a guy I was friendly with. We, you know, talked all the time. I met him through the club. Uh, now I had friends who I knew, like people I knew on the outside, I would talk to them and be like, I, yeah, I mean, there's stuff being sold. I don't know who I'm like, all right. Right. Um, right. Right. He's like, look, if I see anything, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. And I'm like, all right. You know, I'm like, they were my friends. So, you know, I let them in, you know, give them drink tickets and stuff. Um, you know, but, but you know, they were doing me a favor. Um, so like, I, you know, this one dude I'm talking to, you know, we, we, we talked, he's one of the few patrons, like I'd actually have like decent conversations with, um, so turns out he was the biggest dealer in the place. <laughs> which, uh, which which included um a lot of the uh the um ownership and uh, and staff. <laughs> yeah. Well, um I guess that's uh that's a way to have him then tell the owners, "Hey man, things are getting really hot around here." Yep. 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 So, um, I'll never forget. It was during the summer and they had a EPMD play, um, a show in a, in a parking lot down the street from the club. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm going to go see EPMD. That's pretty, (laughs) that's pretty dope. Yeah. So, uh, I think like, um, you know, it was one of these long days. Like I had to be there at like 12 noon and then they, this is, this is a thing. Also the place would go till 8am. Oh, fuck Um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd go to like 8 a.m. Um, you know, they, they'd allegedly stop serving alcohol at, at you know, 4. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, 
that's not true. Right. <laughs> I, 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 I can't say I'd seen it cause I wouldn't go in the club. And especially at that hour, I'm like, Oh fuck. I just, you know, I'll just sit here and watch the sunrise over, you know, the East river. I, but I do not want to be in this club at like, you know, six 30 in the morning. Um, no, you know, so it, it's like, uh, you know, that was going to be a long day after seeing EPM day. And, you know, they were, it was a Sunday and they were, they were going to do it till like eight, you know, in the morning. And like the next day, my, my buddy who got me in there, he's like, Hey dude, they, they want to, uh, they want to fire you. And I'm like, want to, he's like, well, they're firing you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> they like, want okay. to. So then uh, they, sh- uh, I guess they can then, right? Yeah. I'm fired. So he's like, look, pick, pick somebody, um, who you think is going to be good. Um, you know, cause I still had to, you know, pay my tax to the people who got, you know, got me in there. I, you know, I had to kick up and, you know, not, nothing illegal about it. That's just, you know, um, they got me in and, you know, they, they, they got a cut of it. Um, so, you know, he's like, look, find somebody, you know, and I'll, I'll put them in there and, you know, uh, so after that, uh, yeah, you had to find your replacement. Um, for your job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. I didn't train them or anything, but, you know, behind the scenes, I kind of installed my own people, you know, who I knew were going to, you know, A, not fuck up this account. And, you know, I was still getting, you know, I got my cut then, you know. Uh, he's like, look, you know, you, you you take a little bit, you know, take, you know, 10%, whatever it is. You know, you go collect and, and you know, get, get you know, take 10%. I'm like, all right, cool. So it became kind of, uh, kind of my, uh, you know, that became a side gig. It was, the money wasn't as good, but you know, it was, uh, it was still something. Right. Um, right. So how, so when you were, after you got fired, were you still like in contact and connection with the play? I mean, I know you installed some of your people, but like, or were you just like, I'm done with it. No, no, no. So I I would, I would find out what was going on and, you know, uh, and by then we became kind of persona non grata with the NYPD. Um, you know, they, like they knew, like it was, it was bad. And, you know, when I wasn't there, you know, and they didn't, you know, they didn't have somebody who they were already friends with. Like, you know, they, they were now skeptical, like, okay, I know this guy. We know some of the same people. Um, I don't know this new guy, you know, he comes recommended and, you know, I'll do what I can, but, you know, I'm not really going out of my way for, for this place. Um, and it was a nuisance, you know, the captain would, like I said, you know, all about numbers, the place would get complaints and, you know, every time there'd be an OD, uh, you know, and an ambulance came, it Whoa. would come up on, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, there was, and the owner would be like, so you know, it you looks can't like- call the, right. You can't call an, an ambulance. I'm like, are you kidding me? That person will die. And then, you know, what's going to happen. They're going to die of an overdose. And then it's going to be in the papers that they left your club. Do you think that's going to be good for you? <laughs> so it looks like there was some misbehaving with these wily whites, uh, in a oh, bar. Yeah. I mean, they, they weren't, they weren't any better than anyone else. Um, they were just, uh, um, easier to manipulate. Let's put it that way. They, they, you know, when, when a big, you know, a big black dude, you know, was like six, three and, you know, two eighty comes up and says, you got to leave, you know, some, mm-hmm. you know, the same suburban dude from New Jersey, you know, who, you know, from suburban New Jersey. I don't want any trouble, bro. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, look, Jim, it was no different than any other nightclub. Um, you know, there was as much drugs and, uh, you know, sex going on as, you know, everywhere else. Um, yep. 
you know, there weren't the bodies. That that's what I like to say. There wasn't the violence. Um, you know, the biggest thing, some some dude smashed a bottle over someone's head. Uh, and I think there might have been like one stabbing in the club. Um and that's the thing, they didn't do much in the way of a frisk. Uh, you know, I'm talking to the other security, you know, like the supervisor at the site, you know, for this gig, and she's like, Look, we gotta search people. We gotta search girls, you know, we gotta actually legitimately search for drugs if we're gonna stop this. And you know, the owner was like, Stop. You're harassing my customers. That's not the environment that I want to that I want to build. Mm. You know, they didn't have metal detectors, so it well, was, you know. But that's that's why, right? Is she's right. like, I don't want people searched because I want drugs in the bar because I. I don't drugs. know what her motivations were. Uh, you know, it was always told to me that you know you can't do this because it, it creates uh, you know a, an uncomfortable environment for my club goers, many who I've known for 15 years since I've been in this business, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, look, you're the boss. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like, okay, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Which uh, like, which like, and I mean, it's the fucked up adage, right? Of just like, look, if you don't have anything on you and you're going into a club, you don't right. really care, right? right. Like, yeah. I, I mean, look, if I go, case in point, like if I go to any sort of bar, nightclub, I don't know why I'm in a nightclub in this scenario, but let's say I am. Uh, and I go and I don't have anything on me. I don't give a fuck. Like right. search me. Like you're right. not finding anything. So it's right. like, you're not, you're not, it's a nightclub. You're not going to jail. Your shit will be thrown out. Um, and you know, that's it. Or you just won't come in, you know, that that's it. Um, right. Exactly. So there's an ulterior motive around that. We know. Sorry. Pit, pit bull crossing. No, that's all right, man. <laughs> Look, I run a, I run on a pro dog platform here. So <laughs> cool. understand um, that. So, um, so also like when I first took the job, like, uh, I thought that like, I'm like, wow, you know, this is a pretty well-run nightclub. Um, I accidentally got a glimpse of the, uh, of the, uh, the business plan. And I was like, wow, they dumped 5.3 million into this club. I'm like, they're not going to want to fuck around and, and jeopardize that. Cause I know it wasn't their money. They had investors. Um, but like, you would think that like all that money on the line, you'd want to keep that shit like running. Cause it was, it was a cash cow. I mean, the like lines down the block. Um, sure, it sure. wasn't a night where, where it was ever dead. Like maybe one or two nights it was dead where I like, they actually closed early where they closed like, you know, at four. <laughs> yeah. I was going to um, say they closed early as in 6am. Right. No, no, no. What well, like, you know, one or two nights. Um, I remember where, where it was like that. Um, you know, it's like, wow, uh, they, they, they knew what they were doing, how to, how to promote. Um, and I always thought like, you know, I'm telling you this is coming right from the NYPD. I'm telling you from people that I know and trust what's going to happen, you know, that they are gunning for you and they will eventually win. And she didn't believe me. She really thought that, you know, she could, <laughs> she could outsmart them. And I'm like, that's not how this works. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not going to out-resource the biggest gang in right, the country. Right. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's you know, not they, how that they, shit works. Right. You know, the resources they have, you know, they come with, with decibel meters and, you know, they're like, okay, you know, this was the, the, the reading for this time. And, you know, they, they write noise violations. They write, you know, um, ECB, environmental control board summonses. Um, and those for nightclubs are not cheap. You know, they're, they're, right. they could be like, you know, as so, small as like 2,500 all the way up to like, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for, for repeat offenders. So I'm assuming then this place went under, right? Like, cause I've. Yeah. So, uh, after I left, like, you know, people would start sending me like links. Um, they were shut because they owed 360,000 in back taxes. Ooh. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, 
I was like, wow, uh, okay, I'm not shocked. I thought it would have been for something else. I thought it would have been for drugs, and their their license got yanked. Nope, it was for taxes. Uh, they always get you with taxes. Um, and then, uh, then an article came out. Um, I think they reopened for a short time, but then closed down again. Uh, an article came out um, where her and her husband were trying to have three ways with, like, all the hot female staff. Okay. Um, and, you know, there was a lawsuit against them for, you know, hostile work environment and, you know, racial discrimination. Um, and I'm like, I could see all that, you know, I, yep. I, I can, I can definitely see all that. Um, you know, they, they purposely did not allow black parties. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, you know, black people for the most part were treated differently at the door. Um, you know the the type of black person they want. Reggie Watts would would come up, you know, and be yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, and and like you were, you know, you worked at Vice and you came with a bunch of you know your your white and Asian coworkers. Um, you know, those are the kind of black people they wanted. So there was definitely uh definitely a um a uh you know discrimination yeah. factor there. Um, but in their defense, they also discriminated against Italians. They would not want techno because they're like techno brings fucking meatheads, you know. And as an Italian, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but you know that hits a little differently. I know, I know, as a I black know. person because I know as a uh, as an Italian, uh, you can just go to another club. Right, right, right. right I know. Yeah, there so. were there were like you know four other clubs right in the uh, right in the area. Um, so there you go. But. Uh, uh, and then, um, then I was watching, uh, I'll never forget. It was like a Saturday afternoon. It's like a rainy Saturday afternoon and I'm watching the, the news and, uh, you know, it's like, um, nightclub owner arrested and you see them perp walking her into the car. Um, uh, she was arrested for, uh, for, pa- for passing bad checks. I believe I'm not a thousand percent sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was passing bad checks, some kind of, uh, you know, check related fraud. Um, and now last I checked, you know, it, it's just, the, the building is just sitting there unoccupied and it's a huge space. It's tremendous space. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, uh, whenever a racist gets their comeuppance, um, I'm usually, I'm not mad at that. No, so, no, no. that's okay. Um, uh, you know, and I, in the beginning I liked her, you know, I thought like she was cool and everything, but you know, then, then it, you know, it, she became an asshole, you know, and that's strictly opinion. You know, you can't like, you know, you can't sue me for an opinion. You know what? You, you can't have a wrong opinion, but you can have a bad one. But, um, you know, right. she, she, I just did not like her. Um, you know, uh, I'll, well, I'll, I'll leave we, it at that. We have, you, uh, we didn't paint a good picture for it. So no, no. Well, listen, Scott, uh, this has been a fucking wild story, dude. Uh, <laughs> the rise and fall of your bone. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into our next segment, right? Sure. Which is called What Were You Drinking? Okay. Now, this is part of the show where I read a Facebook post uh, from my timeline. And I can only assume that they were drunk when they wrote it because no sober person would volunteer this information. Okay. Um, so now it is up to you as our, uh, as our resident experts on uh, people being drunk and okay. having to be escorted out for you to diagnose what you think they were drinking when they wrote it. Sure. Okay. Yep. And you can ask any sort of uh, clarifying questions as need okay. be. Um, yep. So let's get into it. <clears throat> Congrats to my whore ex and her cheating dipshit boyfriend on their soon to be waste of space baby on the way. Hope you teach that kid how to not be you. You'll be raising that kid by yourself. Thank you. Have fun with that shit. 
Don't forget about your two other kids on the way. Uh, that's Bud Light. It's way too, <laughs> way too, uh, way too cogent of a of a statement. Um, he's a little mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that's that's Bud Light, Coors Light. That that's some kind of light domestic beer. That's a light domestic beer because yeah. it sounds like there could be a domestic uh, afoot. With yeah, yeah. So. and it, it just makes too much sense so <laughs> <laughs> it's too angry it makes too much right. sense it's yeah. uh it's a light beer that's really putting you in a place to uh say the most horrible things you could think of yep uh but so well listen scott expert ex expert analysis it's obvious you uh there's a reason why they hired you to head security <laughs> and diagnose the problem very quickly and they can also find the remedy for it as well uh, so listen, Scott, thank you so much for, uh, for hanging here with me, man. This has been really fun, dude. Um, always, uh, always good to catch up with you and also to hear your wild fucking stories, dude. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, now do you have anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Uh, Instagram, anything like that? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I, I'd plug Facebook, except Facebook for some, as you know, keeps like nuking my profiles. Um, in January, I created a, uh, a QAnon satire group and they, they banned me for life. Um, so right now I'm, I'm just outrunning the algorithm and I kind of got to keep the profile locked down, but you could, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's, uh, my name, uh, Scott Kasha, S C O T T C O S C I A on Instagram. <laughs> that might be the best bookend as to, uh, <laughs> I created a Q and satire group and now they, uh, do not like me at all <laughs> in January, mind you, nothing yeah, going on yeah. there. Uh, nothing yeah. going on there at all. Um, listen, uh, again, thank you, Scott, for hanging. Um, thank you all for listening, man. You know, we're back. Uh, we're back with season six of open bar talk. We're very excited. Um, you know, because look, these stories are fucking insane and I love hearing all of them. Uh, open bar talk at gmail.com. Uh, you know, send us your, why would you write that? If you have some screenshots of some wild shit, someone has put on your timeline, send it to me and I will have my very capable guest, uh, diagnose that. Uh, wherever you find podcasts, remember iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, where you can get this one and, you know, tell a friend about this show, man. You know, we really, again, we really love doing this. Uh, I'm Jim search. You can find me at jimsearchcomedy.com. Go on all social media. Find me at Jim search. That is how we get that done. Um, once again, Scott, thank you so much for hanging. This has been such My a blast plan. and, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Sounds good. <laughs>